Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. Good is the theme of the day. I did not choose it. Jesus talked about good investments in eternal treasures. Hebrews 13 talks about good expressions of believers in kindness, heavenly minded, and earthly good. Hebrews 13, 1 to 6. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourself also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Father, we are thankful to continue our study in the book of Hebrews, and we pray today in the light of the celebration of thy table that the fellowship of thy people would be clearly brought together in the good of grace as received in Jesus Christ. Thank you for this continuation of study, and thank you for this opportunity at the table of our Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We tell you that we love you this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. The necessity to serve God acceptably, Hebrews 12, 28. The grace to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear is burned into the mind of the believer by the laser of truth, Hebrews 12, 29, that God is a consuming fire. We most usually think of God's fire in the terms of judgment and abolishing sin, and rightly so. But we learned last week that that sense of God's judgment and abolishing sin and opposition has another side to it, and that is the promise of God for his people's advance. We likewise recognize that this reference to God as a consuming fire uh, presents to us the truth of God's affection for his people. 
And then thirdly, God's acceptance of our worship when rightly offered to him. And so the idea of grace in Christ as received and a kingdom that is currently being received and the opportunity to serve God as a priest at his altar acceptably with reverence and fear is made possible because God has a relationship with us that is a relationship in affection and a relationship and acceptance and in a relationship that is poised for our spiritual good and advance. God is working to advance us in Christ. It's fair to say that the doctrinal body of Hebrews ends at chapter 12, verse 24, where you have the pinnacle of truth in Christ Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament, the New Covenant in his blood, exactly as is depicted in the elements on the table before us. That reminder of Christ brings, as it were, the believer's possession of the grace of God, the gift of God, which includes serving God acceptably to bear in our minds in such a moment as this. God the Father only accepts the worship that is offered him in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what about the Buddhist? Well, what about the Buddhist? God only accepts the worship that is brought to him in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what about the Hindus? Well, what about the Hindus? God only accepts worship brought to him in Christ Jesus our Lord. That serves as the foundation of our drive for missions. And that is the foundation of the only reason we would get together today on this holiday week. Our continuity, our family status, based upon the named family in Jesus Christ. That is the pinnacle of truth of which Hebrews chapter 12 ends. And it would be fair to say that that is the end of the doctrinal presentation of the book of Hebrews. But then, without any word of transition or introduction, Hebrews 13 opens with a series of practical matters and application of those rich doctrinal truths that are established, Hebrews 1 through 12. Hebrews 1 through 12 represents the rich doctrinal truth of Christ upon which we set our minds, and Hebrews 13 presents us with some earthly practices in application, or as we might say it, and we'll emphasize both this morning and next week, we are to be heavenly-minded, Hebrews chapters 1 through 12, and earthly good, Hebrews chapter 13. 
Upon further analysis of the 13th chapter in the whole, the, the practical matters line up in four categories. The first category is the believer's fellowship. The second category is the believer's leadership. The third category is the believer's worship. And the fourth category is the believer's lordship. The six verses that we read with this morning deal with six facets of the believer's fellowship. The first three facets of the believer's fellowship express kindness to other believers. The second three uh, facets of the believer's expression of goodness or kindness speak of the believer's activity in keeping themselves pure. And so as we open the 13th chapter of Hebrews, we're talking about the fellowship of the believers. We're talking about how the good of being a believer is expressed to other believers. Hebrews 13, 1 to 6. And there's two facets in which that good expression takes place. Uh, uh, as it were, verses 1 to 3 this morning, relative to expressions of courtesy and kindness. And next week, we'll consider the believer's access and activity and keeping themselves pure before God. Today, in preparation for the table of the Lord, we're going to consider the believer's expression of kindness one to another in verses 1, 2, and 3. The opening phrase of verse 1 is Philadelphia. So what it says in the Greek, that's the name city in Pennsylvania, and it is exactly the same as the Greek word Philadelphia, and it is translated with the appropriate verb tense in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Previously in the letter, Hebrews commended this very kind of thing. I should say the writer of Hebrews commended this very kind of thing as taking place among the Hebrew people. If you look back just quickly to chapter 6 and verse 10, uh, it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed, expressed toward his name, in that ye have ministered, served, helped, assisted the saints, and do minister. And so here, in Hebrews 13, 1, it says, Philadelphia, let that brotherly love that has been expressed among uh, the local church family, let that brotherly love continue. In the days of our Lord, first advent, he defined God's family as his own family in the terms of those that hear and do the word of God. Our Lord commanded his disciples to love one another as he had loved them and to keep his commandments. Possessing grace in Christ, verse 28, means the continuation of family love expressed 
Hebrews 13.1. And so the first concept is Philadelphia. The second concept, verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, is the word philonexia. Philonexia. In addition to the brotherly love, there is to be among the family of God the expression of love for strangers. Philonexia, verse 2, means to extend hospitality or to provide necessary entertainment for those believers displaced. The word strangers is used variously in the New Testament, but here it references believers displaced by persecution and those away from home in ministry pursuit. We are talking about hospitality directed towards displaced believers and faithful preachers, which was indeed needfully crucial in that day. Welcoming God's people who are displaced with food and shelter and the spirit of friendship has at times over history been absolutely necessary. And I do believe that it will be necessary once again right here in the United States of America should the Lord tarry. Entertaining strangers does not mean we pull together a Baptist variety show with singers and dancers so that people can have fun. Entertaining strangers doesn't mean that we go to Jake's and buy the biggest box of fireworks so that Elto can be entertained by our Baptist bombs exploding in the air as we flag wave. No, entertaining strangers means that we take care of believers when they're displaced physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that we take care of preachers when they travel. That we entertain those that are strangers. Now, I don't know anything about personally being displaced, but I know a lot about traveling. And as I've often reminded you, Sherry and I spent a, a good number of years, eight years, in public ministry life on the road. And during those eight years, we were very, very dependent upon the grace and kindnesses of God's people for food, shelter, and hospitality. We have had great, great blessings in receiving hospitality of other believers when ministering away from home. And, of course, we could also tell you about those instances in which there were no blessings at all. That uh, we went to a place and ministered, and they left us hungry. I don't like that. But I preached in a place where they left me hungry. And I preached in a place where they gave me no place to sleep. 
And I've left in a, uh, preached in a place where that those kindnesses weren't extended. And believe me, when they are extended, it's like, wow. That is really something unique. You have been blessed over the last number of years from time to time when we're away. You've been blessed by the ministry of Pastor Paul Mann. Pastor Paul Mann and I have been friends for about 35 or 40 years. But uh, uh, one of the things that greatly extended our friendship had to do with him being the pastor at Washington Baptist Church in uh, Washington, uh, Iowa. Actually, it's called Prairie Flower Baptist Church in Washington, Iowa. And Paul invited me as the dean at Faith Baptist Bible College and uh, Seminary in Ankeny, Iowa. He invited me uh, to preach a week of special meetings in the little bird town of Washington, Iowa. And I did, and I had a blast. And, uh, and when I got to the services on Sunday, Jean, uh, whom a number of you know, uh, came to me and she said, she said, Pastor, is, uh, is uh, Sherry going to be able to come uh, with you this week at some point in time? I know you got little ones, you got little boys, and I know that they don't always travel. But are you planning to come? I said, yep. They're planning to come with me every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But today, kept the boys in their regular Sunday school class. Uh, at our church at Grandview Park in Des Moines, and, uh, and I'm on the road preaching as usual, but they'll hear here tomorrow. She said, oh, good, oh, good, oh, good. Would you come for supper? And, uh, and we said yes. And so uh, we were there on Sunday and preached, and they took well care of us there on Sunday personally. And then on Monday, after going home, I returned with my family for the evening service, and we enjoyed the fellowship of the mans and and the degree to which they extended themselves to me, and they extended themselves to Sherry, and they extended themselves to my two young boys was just absolutely a blessing to me as a dean of students at a Bible college and uh, living on the edge of my economy, if you know what that means. Monday night during the service, Paul Mann, the pastor of the church, came up and he called his wife Jean to the platform and uh, she came with this great big huge uh, bouquet of roses. And, uh, and Jean had written a little thing and Paul said she made him to read it. And he read something, I remember all that was said, but, but in that he said something of Jean's words that went like this. He said, Sherry, you're often home alone with those two young boys as T.W. is flying across the country and preaching the gospel of Christ here and there. You're the one who's faithfully taking those boys to Sunday school and the church that you joined as a family. While he often is on, on Sunday out here or out there preaching in this place or in that. But we, the members of the Prairie Flower Baptist Church in Washington, Iowa, today, with this bouquet of flowers, just want to recognize your service and your sacrifice for the cause of Christ for our benefit. And they asked my bride to come and get her flowers. And I wept like a baby. 
Because in my lifetime, very few times have God's people ever recognized the phenomenal sacrifice of my wife to their benefit. But on that day, we were happy because they did. That is entertaining strangers. That is making it good for somebody in a time of need or service. Third thing, empathetic care. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for therein some have entertained angels unaware. I'll come back to that next week. It's not quite as flamboyant as you think, but it'll be good. Verse 3, remember them that are in bonds, prison, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourself also in the body. This is not talking about a mass murderer, and that you're supposed to have these aw, 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 for every mass murderer, and uh, go to the jail and, uh, and uh, take them a cake, and get them a Christmas gift. Now what you can do is go there and give them the gospel. That'd be right. But you ought not go to the jail and give a mass murderer a cake. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about believers imprisoned for their faith. And what you and I are going to do when they are. You say, well, never heard of such a thing around here. Good. Thank God for that. That's not true all over the world. And again, I say to you, and I'm not trying to be aggravating, but if the Lord tarries, we may well here in this country have a time when believers are in bonds. And the instruction of our Lord is when they are in bonds, we are to be in bonds as with them. The furtherance of loving interest and expression of kindness is directed towards those believers that are in prison for their faith and those mistreated by the government powers around them. We can thank God that we don't have things like that commonly today, but many believers have and do. I do believe that the logical projection of current social perversions will more and more put believers in danger of injustice. We better learn how to once again bring the love of God to the imprisoned and the mistreated. These are not fantasy-driven kindnesses, but the real demand of serious believers living in serious times. And you and I, more and more, are living in serious times. This section of the Word of God is just phenomenally practical for me and for you. Grace, the exclusive grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, enables us to serve God acceptably, brother to brother, in the context of worship. Let that brotherly love continue. Uh, brother to brother, or in the context of family, uh, when, when some element of the church family is displaced, 
or when one's servant of God is, is outside of his normal orientation because he's traveling for the sake of the gospel. And then, of course, this serving God acceptably also involves the aspect of prison ministry. Not a gospel prison ministry where you're going to Kent County Prison for the sake of sharing the gospel of Christ. Wonderful. But going to Kent County Prison because there's a believer in there who's only there because he loves God. And is trying to honor God. And yet has come to a point of contradiction in the world in which we live. This grace received works in and through us, first and foremost towards God in heaven, and then towards the family of God on earth. The amazing grace of God that saves us represented in the table before us is the same grace of God by which we serve. This table is a reminder of our fellowship in Christ. It is the fellowship grounded in his once-for-all sacrifice at the cross. We herein recall his body broken and his blood shed as God's own gift to us. Herein we see the grace of God that saves and we see the grace of God by which we serve. Saved by grace, possessing grace, we serve by grace. I'm not outside with the firecrackers. I'm inside with the fire of God. So are you. Let's make sure this day, this week, this month, we honor God and take care of each other. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a practical reminder from thy word as we engage in the table of our Lord. And bless us now as we think and as we pray that we might interact together in a way that is meaningful and helpful and a blessing as it were to us all. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.